Hello and welcome to Work Talks, IBEX Employer Relations Podcast. This series looks at strategic thinking into aspects of employment relations. And I'm your host, Kieran Cudahy. We've got a very special episode for you this week because we're going to be looking ahead to IBEX HR Leadership Summit. It is happening on October 21st. And the theme this year, the evolving workplace achieving a sustainable balance is, I'm sure you'll agree, a very hot topic. So over the next little while, we're going to look forward to that goes without saying it is the number one conference for HR leaders every year in this country and we're going to give you a little flavour of what you can expect come October. Joining me I'm delighted to say Maeve McElwee, Director of Employer Relations at IBEC and Sidal Neely, Naylor Fitzhugh Professor of Business Administration at Harvard. If people are being asked to go in the office just to stare at the same screen and do the exact same things they would do from home, not only are they resenting it but they're resigning. If you want people to come in person better have a good reason why. With me as well will be Noah Askin, Assistant Professor of Organizational Behavior at INSEAD. The phrase trial and error gets a, gets sort of a bad reputation. Uh, and yet if we call it test and learn, which is, by the way, exactly the same thing, <laughs> it has like a much more positive connotation. And so uh, my, I would encourage people to think about the next months, years as time to test and learn. You're all very welcome, folks. And Maeve, if I can start with you, can you tell us a little bit more about the summit, what people can expect? So the IBEC um, HR Leadership Summit is probably one of my favourite events, actually, of the the year and of all the events that IBEC run um, in this space, because really it's it's a great time to take some time out um, and really start to look at both the current themes, but also what we see coming down the line um, and spend just a little bit of time on that really strategic emphasis um, the HR space is so interesting because it runs across all aspects of the business um, and with much of the change that's coming through, um, I think a lot more engagement from our CFOs or CEOs around the contribution that HR makes to that particular piece. So the HR Summit is really that time where we we take time out. We look at it as, uh, you know, almost a, a training engagement to look at them with those more uh, long-term themes and to make sure that we have an opportunity then to plan. Lots of our members come year after year, see it as that thinking time. Um, and lots of our members also come uh, as a training day and come as a team uh, to look at some of those themes across the, the piece. Even in our virtual world, it's still a fantastic networking event. It's a great opportunity to talk to other members, to talk to the speakers about what's going on. Um, and really to reconnect um, and to make some new connections across your own sector, uh, your own particular areas of interest, um, but all of the different industries that will be represented uh, across the membership at the event on the day. Yeah, and then within that broader broader context, I know there's three connected themes that will be explored. Reimagining organisational design is the first. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this is, I suppose that the whole world of work is changing so much and it's been changing so rapidly for a number of years. And um, I think everybody's been listening to how much the pandemic has accelerated these things, but that is the reality. And as we face back into people moving out of a lot of the emergency measures, um, whether people have been working on site or working remotely, um, they are really starting now to focus very significantly on what their organisations are going to look like. Um, and how they're going to design those organizations to continue to have the best engagement, best productivity, um, and really looking at all the, the challenges that people have seen across the board. So 
I think for lots of organizations, this whole concept of a distributed workforce is really important. It's not something that many organizations have worked with um, at a significant level. So all of us in pre-pandemic, we'd already seen that move towards more remote and hybrid working, but tending more to deal with individuals um, and managing individual circumstances rather than being a very organization-led policy or structure. So for lots of organizations, you know, starting to think about how that's going to work, how you will design the networks within your organizations, how you will manage that connectivity um, and all of the, the skills and training that will need to go around that design focus within the business um, is really coming to the fore. And it's a, it's a big question for a lot of employers now. Yeah, and I'm interested to explore some of those issues with Noah in a moment. Uh, redefining workplace culture is the other theme uh, that's going to be looked at and explored at the summit. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so culture is that really intangible thing that every organisation kind of has. And it's that feeling of how we do things in our organisation, you know, that sort of innate understanding of how things work within your own business and how you interact, engage, chat, how formal or informal your structures might be, for instance. And I think it's been one of the biggest questions we've heard from the employers we've been engaging with over the course of the pandemic is if we have people working in a very distributed way with lots of different flexibilities in place, whether that's hybrid, remote, or even just um, more staggered working arrangements, How do we keep that cohesiveness, that culture that we've spent so many years investing in and building in? How do we replace that sense of engagement and particularly, I think, the innovation that that lots of organizations come to depend on people being together and being able to spark some of that um, connectivity and that, that innovation and creativity that comes often maybe just from the chance encounter of somebody you met on the corridor, you had a chat with outside the meeting room as opposed to even in the meeting room, um, and those connections that keep people understanding what everybody else is doing in the business. And, I mean, those challenges and those opportunities and all of those changes that have been happening, as you said, for some time, but the pace of change has, of course, sped up over the last 18 months. Within that, you've got to find balance. And that's the the, the, the the final theme that's going to be explored, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's trying to manage that piece between um, keeping that culture in place, finding that organizational design that, that continues to produce a really interesting place to work, somewhere that people understand the purpose of what they're doing, um, want to be connected and, and find it um, you know, the work both challenging, but engaging and get that right balance between their lives and their professional environment. And actually, over the years, it's something we've been looking at. And, you know, the the, the really great thing about the HR Summit is, you know, we build on all of these trends year in and year out. Yeah. And, and Noah, uh, Noah Askin of INSEAD is with us, as I mentioned. And Noah, to, to explore some of those things, those issues that, that uh, Mavis talked about, actually, first uh, I might ask you about your own experience over the last 18, 19 months, because while new models of work have been discussed in an abstract sense for a long time, people have, a, I suppose, a tangible feeling now about how, how they actually work and how they operate or how they might operate, given the experience of the last year and a half. I mean, you, you would have de- dealt with this with your own students and peers, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, I, to some extent. Well, it's it's interesting to see this playing out because as academics, we've sort of been living in this hybrid remote world uh, kind of forever, right? Academics are not necessarily always in their offices on campus and and we're connecting with, with colleagues and co-authors all over the world. And then now this all gets accelerated where we basically couldn't be on campus, couldn't be with each other. Um, students were, were remote as well. And so trying to find new ways of engaging uh, participants, other faculty, students coming in, this is something we're now dealing with and that they themselves are also coming in with questions about because they're experiencing these organizational shifts or looking forward to, to jobs and careers and positions where, where there's demands on hybrid for hybrid work environments um, and that there are expectations of, of geographic freedom that maybe didn't exist previously. So lots of these questions are getting brought into, into play by not only those of us that are, are in the workplace, but those of us looking for jobs and looking forward to, to careers and trying to figure out what does this mean for my options? Um, you know, very much related to couples as well. And, and people who are trying to make decisions around family issues and where to be. So it's, it just adds to the number of factors to consider. Um, and on one hand, that's on one hand, that's very freeing, uh, right? Cause now, you know, I don't have to be in a particular geographic location in order to, to apply for a job in that, in a certain spot or with a certain company. On the other hand, every, every additional degree of freedom is another factor you have to consider and, and weigh in when you make these decisions, uh, about where to be and where to work and who to work for, uh, and so, you know, with with increasing freedom comes increasing complexity, I would say. And is, is that one of the big challenges then from a HR point of view, Noah, is that bespoke working models for everybody in an organization, I mean, is resource intensive, isn't it? Yeah, extremely so. Um, what's interesting is that this is now forcing to some extent the type of management model and leadership model that many of us have been talking about for some time, right? It's very individualized. There is no one size fits all to management or one size fits all to leadership. You kind of have to have conversations with everyone and understand what works for them and what doesn't. That goes now beyond just the simple act of getting work done. Uh, and I use the word simple very, very loosely there, but it goes beyond just the work that you're doing, but also the considerations for the roles, the locations, the expectations, the engagement, uh, and now touches more than just kind of the business side of the organization, but the HR and the planning and the IT and all of these things are now going to be much more, as you said, bespoke, uh, which I think is a good term for it because th there is not going to be a one size fits all. In fact, there may not even be one size fits more than one, uh, which creates creates a whole host of challenges and, and addis additional logistical considerations. And, and all of these issues, we should reiterate, are, are going to be investigated and interrogated in much more detail at the Leadership Summit. But just to to go back to another couple of points that Maeve raised, which was about the challenges in, in maintaining connections between people and teams in a remote environment. Yeah, this is uh, this is sort of one of the areas where I spend my time thinking and and something I've started interviewing actually super connectors, uh, which is outside of a, of a given organization, but people who are very well connected and talking to them about their approaches. Um, and, and it's, you know, something gets lost when you're not in person. Now, there's flexibility that's gained and there's lots of other things that are gained, but but there are things that are that are certainly lost. In fact, uh, a big team of people from Microsoft 
um, given the access to data that they have, have recently released uh, studies about what's gone on in the pandemic as a function of everybody shifting to, to remote work. And they're finding things like people's networks are not changing and updating like they used to, right? You're not making new connections or even stopping old connections, not in some sort of like deep breakup way, but just as you go through your work life, you are adding new connections and, and reducing contact with others. That slowed down just the overall churn, the, the amount of, of network expansion and the amount of network time spent with people outside of your core team that has gone down, at least within this very large Microsoft sample. And I have to imagine, and based on anecdotal evidence, this is what we're seeing elsewhere as well. If you're fully relegated to Zoom or, or other video conferencing tools, you're, you have mostly scheduled calls with your core team to get done what you need to get done. And that's all well and good and, and takes people's lives into consideration a little bit more, but it also loses that serendipity of the accidental bump into someone or the project where you can pull someone in quickly and easily without a huge undertaking and without changing their whole schedule uh, to do that. And so you're losing these opportunities for sharing of knowledge, for bridging different groups in the organization, in the same way that when everybody's in an office or most people are in an office, there are practical and logistical concerns, there are going to be different practical and logistical concerns. Wi-Fi connectivity, uh, access to technology, you know, facility with technology, uh, these are going to change. And, and the hope is that the, the kind of empathy and understanding and help that was ideally given previously is now going to be returned uh, or at least forwarded in the way that that there is some empathy that goes into recognizing uh, that not everybody has these familiarities and this access and, and can we take steps to, to help people and to make them feel included. Uh, I know that's something that Sadal talks about a lot, especially with remote work. And one of the ways that people feel included is not to like sign on to Zoom and realize, wait a second, I don't know what I'm doing here and have, have your younger colleagues then sort of snicker at you uh, while you figure it out, instead providing some help and guidance, um, which, you know, sounds like a bare minimum. And yet I would, you would be shocked at, at the way that people respond to uh, people who lack experience and familiarity with some technology. Noah, you mentioned Sadal Neely there, who, of course, will be one of the other keynote speakers at the HR Leadership Summit, the Evolving Workplace, Achieving a Sustainable Balance, happening on October 21st. A little earlier, the producer of Work Talks, Patrick Hawhey, he caught up with Sadal to talk about her most recent book and some of the topics she's going to be covering at the big event. So my name is Sadal Neely. I'm a professor at the Harvard Business School and Senior Associate Dean of Faculty Research and Teaching. And I uh, uh, am the author of Remote Work Revolution, Succeeding from Anywhere. Sadal, lovely to meet you. Lovely to have you on Work Talks today. Obviously, this is one of the most hot topics out there at the moment. But I would imagine that the research and the work on this book began before we knew it was such a hot topic. Indeed. I started looking at global work, remote work and virtual work some 20 years ago because I was convinced that technology was going to change the nature of work and that the virtualization of work was going to take place over time. But 
COVID, uh, March 2020, merely accelerated what was already well underway when companies had a distributed workforce, whether domestically or not, uh, and uh, uh, had to advance work in a dispersed marketplace. And so uh, this book uh, was well underway uh, pre-COVID, and I was trying to answer some of the most pressing questions that people had um, once uh, COVID hit, which is how the book ended up getting structured. How do you think about performance? How do you transition into an effective remote or hybrid uh, work uh, environment? How do you trust people that you barely see and maintain connection? How do you think about agile work? and um, uh, digital tools. There's so many digital tools. How do we make sure that we're using them effectively and how do we combat this tech exhaustion? So all of those questions that were very much on people's minds were the uh, questions that uh, we followed for the format of the book. It strikes me that all of those questions, all of those pressing issues are probably still very much the same ones because it has been accelerated dramatically in the last 18 months to two years. But we still are in sort of a grey area, aren't we? We are. And I think that's a very uh, insightful point and question uh, because I think those questions have now intensified. Uh, People who previously thought that we were in this kind of transient space wanted to learn enough trying to survive and figure things out. But now people have begun to accept that remote work in one form or another, meaning hybrid uh, work that might involve some in-person, but the idea that we will have some kind of remote work in our professional arrangements is starting to sink in as a future uh, uh, of work that the nature of work has forever changed. And so people are now moving from surviving and knowing just enough to saying, well, wait a minute, we need to master this uh, so that uh, uh, we can succeed for the long term. Diversity and inclusion is such a big thing right now that these leaders, same leaders and, and managers and business owners need to, to grapple with and, and bring in property into their workplaces. And, you know, some of us might uh, believe that in order to achieve diversity, inclusion and people feeling like part of the company and, and uh, uh, you know, very much involved, that they all need to be in the bums and the seats and all need to be together. But I think I've heard you speak about how, in fact, um, the remote nature of the last little while has actually been quite good for diversity and inclusion. It's been one of the counterintuitive findings that uh, the Future Forum, which is a think tank, uh, a Slack think tank, uh, discovered when they looked at uh, minorities and marginalized members of a workforce, it could be those with physical uh, special needs, uh, they learned that people in those categories had higher job satisfaction and sense of belonging and inclusion in the remote environments. And so why is that? Part of it is they don't have to take the psychological commute in order to fit into mainstream environments. And there was kind of a relief valve of sorts. They didn't have to uh, experience some of the micro moments or indignities that they've often experience when someone unwittingly uh, makes a mistake like calling them by the wrong name uh, because they resemble the other minority at the 
at the workplace and the code switching that they have to do in in order to fit in people with physical disabilities for the first time have said first of all i don't need to disclose uh, uh this difference i can just work and be and those with invisible differences say the exact same thing so from an inclusion standpoint it's been quite a revelation there's another piece for the diversity uh, aspect as well is that pipes have expanded so you can have access to more diverse workforce if you want to so long as uh, you're open to having a distributed workforce so uh, accessing talent from more places than those that were bounded by localities that's another uh, advantage that we've seen that's interesting. But of course, there will be employers who maybe given the nature of the type of work that is done would prefer uh, most, if not all people back in the office. What about those employers? How do you think they can sort of best navigate the workforce return to the office to encourage it without being able to enforce it? It's going to be a challenge. Uh, if you look at survey after survey after survey worldwide, you see staggering numbers up to 80%, 70% of people who say they want some kind of remote work in their professional arrangements, that they've earned the right to request this flexibility because they've proven that they can work well. So for companies that are going to force people to come in 100% in person, uh, I think they're going to do it uh, at a cost. Uh, they might not get the top talent. Here in the US, uh, we're seeing what's called the, re the great resignation. If people are not getting the remote work as part, and they're not asking for full-time remote, by the way, some remote as part of their professional arrangement. Uh, and if people are being asked to go in the office just to stare at the same screen and uh, do the exact same things they would do from home, not only are they resenting it, but they're resigning. So if, if companies want top talent, they really have to think deeply how they want to do this. So if they, there's no cajoling people into wanting to be there five days a week, taking the commute, getting strained, having work-life uh, balance completely disrupted and no longer having dinner with their families that they now have been doing quite regularly. That's going to be a very difficult proposition. If you want people to come in person, you better have a good reason why. And you can hear lots more from Sadal Neely at IBEC's upcoming annual HR Leadership Summit. And Noah Askin of INSEAD, if I can come back to you for a moment, it strikes me that uh, while you've got to have all of these policies and protocols and processes in place, there will be for a time a sense of muddling through to some degree, won't there? Absolutely. Right. It's it's funny, you know, the, the, the phrase trial and error Gets, a, gets sort of a bad reputation. Uh, and yet if we call it test and learn, which is by the way, exactly the same thing, <laughs> it has like a much more positive connotation. And so uh, my, I would encourage people to think about the next months, years as time to test and learn. Uh, and, and that goes for working arrangements and logistics that goes for connecting with others, for finding the times and the places to be together or to allow for remote. Uh, I think so much of it comes back to th there's just a when everybody's physically located together, there's been this massive culture of meetings just for meetings sake almost in organizations 
because people were there and every nobody wanted to feel left out or didn't was somebody wasn't invited or whatever. And so I think a lot of questioning these things and testing, okay, what if we don't have so many meetings and occupy our, our organization's staff's time, uh, you know, 80% of the time with, with being in the same room, having a discussion about something that most of them don't need to be there for, or that can be solved with an email. Uh, and so I think there's really opportunity to start doing some of that testing again, with an eye towards culture. Right. The things that we're going to want to do are going to come through and and get replicated and perpetuated. And so the behaviors that we want to reward, the behaviors we want to avoid, those all need to be taken into consideration. And, And a lot of it, I'd say, needs to be needs to be intentional around these interactions and and uh, bumping into each other uh, outside of the of the specific core team and like how are you going to structure that and so I have some some thoughts I'm going to share at the summit about that and and I think also you know making sure that people feel um, that they also have the right to test and learn a little bit what will will play into cultural cultural evolution as well Maeve I love that piece that Noah talks about. I'm really looking forward to hearing more at the the summit around the intentionality. So, you know, no matter what we're doing, whether that's culture or, or design, finding that balance, it is all going to be about that intentional design behind that and making sure that we've really thought through what it is we want to achieve. Because much of it in a new environment won't just happen, perhaps in the way that we've been accustomed to that evolution. It'll be a much more intentional design so that's going to be really interesting I'm, I'm really looking forward to that well you will be able to hear lots more from Maeve Noah and Sidal very soon at Ibex flagship HR leadership summit like I mentioned before it's happening on October 21st it is the number one conference as Maeve uh, quite rightly said for HR leaders in this country hugely important event not just for Ibex members but for everybody in the business community an opportunity to hear leaders from that community uh, talk uh, about their own their own vision in this field uh, their own experience in this field it's also a great opportunity uh, for people to network and catch up maybe with uh, colleagues, competitors, whatever you call them, um, that you maybe have have missed over the last 18 months. Uh, Listen, my thanks, my huge thanks uh, to all my contributors today, to Maeve McElwee, Director of Employer Relations at IBEC, to Sadal Neely, the Naylor Fitzhugh Professor of Business Administration at Harvard, and to Noah Askin, Assistant Professor of Organisational Behaviour at INSEAD. You can find out all about the IBEC Annual HR Summit on the IBEC website there as well. You will find all previous editions of the Work Talks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or indeed any episode, we would ask you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until we talk again, take care.